there's a remnant coming out of churches. I, I, I almost believe that every church in Mansfield, every church in Richland County has a remnant. It might be two people, <laughs> but every church has a remnant. Every church has somebody, amen, that's still on fire. And even though the rest of their church might be scattering and the fire's going out and things might be dying, there's a remnant, amen. And, and you'll know who they are because if you're a remnant, you'll connect with the remnant. People talk about the unity of the church, and they say, there's no way the whole church could ever be unified. Too many doctrines, too many. No, no, it's not about the whole church having unity. It's about the remnant having unity. It's about the remnant, amen. And they don't have to be in one building worshiping, but we just begin to connect with other people. They say, oh, yeah, you know, you're, they don't even know they're remnant. But they have a burning, burning We've got to do something in these last days, and there's a burning to go deeper, to get closer. So as this remnant left Babylon and came to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and the walls, God gave me five words that we saw in Nehemiah. And by the way, you need, uh, you need to be reading Nehemiah and Ezra, right? I hope most of you have already gotten through it, and I encourage you also to read 1 Peter. If you can get it in, in the Passion Translation, it will just it'll blow your mind. I love the way Peter talks to us about family. Let me just throw this out about family because we romanticize it in the church. Or I thought the church was family. Yeah, families fight. By the way, if you're family, you have responsibilities. It's not just about hugging everybody and everyone should love each other. Well, we, we, you love your family, but look how y'all get along. All right, moving on. These five words, what are they? Joy, gather, fruitful, together, harvest. Been through all of those? If you've been missing, get the tapes. Amen. But the theme that came out of this was what? Row the boat. Row the boat. It's not enough to just come here and plop yourself down. It's time to get in the boat, discover your spiritual gifts, grab an oar, and roll with the rest of us, and roll in time. Don't roll backwards. Sometimes I feel like we're trying to push this direction, and we got a few people rowing in that direction. And sometimes if we just roll on one side, you go in circles. Hello? And, 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 there, and there's, there's people like myself and others that are beating the drum, so to speak, and say, you know, you know whew, let's do it in time. And, and then there's times to speed up, and then there's times to slow down. And we're going to have services like that again and again, and amen. So we need to uh, commit to joyfully, joyfully get in the boat, rowing together in the same direction, finishing the great mission, great commission that God gave us. Amen. Here it is. I can't do this alone. I, I, I read this piece, and when I read it, it broke my heart because I understand it. And this guy was writing in this book, and he said, pastors everywhere in the United States, their churches are, you know, like we said this statistically, 80% of all churches are in decline. Percent. And members are looking to their pastor and they're saying, what's wrong and what should we do? 
And if you're a good pastor, you fake it. Because pastors don't know either. And it broke my heart because I understood that. Because sometimes we think, well, pastors got all the answers. We pay you good money to have answers. You're supposed to turn this thing around. It's your job to fill the pews. And they're asking us questions, and we just kind of go, well, you know, uh, we're praying about it. Well, I, you know, actually, in most cases, we don't know what to do either. And when you, when you feel like the whole church is waiting on you to get something done, and you don't know what to do because of the culture we're living in has changed, so how do you react to that? How do you, how do you, you know, respond to that? You don't know. You don't know what to do. And I'll be talking more about that. But, but sometimes we just throw everything on the, the pastor. We're going against the current. Because the culture we're in used to be you could pastor a church with the current. Because the culture was, was with you. You understand what I'm saying? But now the, the culture is against us. When we stand as Christians, we are now countercultural. We're going against the stream. How many know we don't live in Mayberry anymore? I mean, even, 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 the, even the town drunk, I've said this before, even the town drunk sang, sang in, the, in the church choir. I mean, everyone, whether they were in church or not, they had a church culture. I read the other day that the county that Mayberry is modeled after in North Carolina, that particular county of Mayberry has the highest crime rate in the whole state of North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Barney would never keep up. How could that be possible? Opioids, the drug culture, and it's destroying small towns. And joblessness in the smaller towns and all this sort of thing are causing the crime rates in May Mayberry leads the state in crime. We aren't in Mayberry anymore. We can't just pastor and maintain things. An old retired pastor said, yeah, it's not like it used to be. He said, if somebody was missing, we, we didn't call them. We knew they'd be back next week. We knew they and, and And if you missed, your boss probably asked you where you were because he went to the same church as you did. Now you go to work and nobody there is a Christian, much less in your church. And, and the pastor said, we didn't have to. We just, we just kind of showed up and preached, and we did funerals and baby dedications and weddings, but that was, you know, the extent. There wasn't a lot of counseling, and there wasn't a lot of this stuff that we have to do today. We didn't have to think about reaching the lost. Everybody knew where the church was. When they were in trouble, they knew what to do. They came to church. That's not the way things are done anymore. This is no longer a come ye culture. We have to be a go ye church. 
When they're in trouble, they don't think church. They think psychologists. They think drug therapy. They, they think a doctor. They think a lawyer. They, 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 the church is the last thing they think about. But church, we still have the good news of Jesus Christ. We still have the answers to life's problems. We still know the way, the truth, and the life. And it's a person, and the person is Jesus Christ. We're not here to judge them, put them down, get ugly about what they do. We're here to let them know there's a better way. Wow. Wow. So we must become a mission. We are now missionary churches. We might as well be in Africa. We might as well be in China. We might as well be in India. Because our culture doesn't speak our language anymore. If we're going to reach this world, here's what we got to do. Five things real quick. I got a lot of this stuff, so take notes and buy the tape later. Number one, we need to learn the language. You'd be surprised how many churches refuse to learn the language of the world. They just kind of sit there on Sunday morning and say, well, if they need something, we're here. They don't want to understand them. They just want to hide out in the four walls, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we be raptured. I'm not so sure Jesus is coming for a church that's in a hideout. I don't think God's coming for a church that's beat up and bloody. I don't think Jesus is coming for a church that has no power and no life and isn't doing the great commission and isn't discipling this world. He's coming for, my God, this bride wears army boots. This bride is on fire. This bride is alive. This bride doesn't have uh, wrinkles. Oh, God, help us in this place. We need to learn. We need to understand how the world thinks. Why do they do what, we do, what they do? We need to understand. Learn the language. I'm going to go start a church in Ecuador, and those people better start learning English. No, you have to learn Spanish. We need to learn the language of the world whether you like it or not. Number two, we need to learn how to embrace change because change is coming. Three people. Yeah, 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 it's fine as long as someone else has to change. But believe me, before this is over, I'm going to be asking you to change. Fist bump your neighbor and say he's talking to you because obviously I'm not talking to you. Number three, we need to leave home. If you're going to be a missionary, you can't do it at home. You know what I'm saying? We have to get, be willing to get out of our comfort zone and go where they are. If we're a missionary church, we don't sit here. We go out into the highways and byways and invite them to the banquet. We have got to find a way to do it. I like this, this quote. It said, church should be your excuse for everything else. Instead, everything else has become an excuse for not being in church. 
Well, we need to get away from, we need to adjust our schedules, adjust our home life, adjust everything so that we're not just in the house of God, but we can be filled with Him and take the house of God to the world. If you're going to be a missionary, you have to leave home. And don't leave home without Jesus. Number four, we have to endure setbacks. How many know there may be some setbacks? Anybody ever have setbacks? Do you ever feel like life is one step forward, two backwards sometimes? Come on, anybody been there? We've all go through some setbacks, but it's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get up. Come on, church. If the devil knocks you down three times, get up four. All that matters is you get up one more time, then he knocks you down, and you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Ah, it's time to get up, get up, get up, get up. Don't, not just get ready, get ready, but get up, get up, get up. Wow. And number five, we need to celebrate the victories. Little victories, big victories. Learn how to praise the Lord in whatever situation you are in. In 1803, Lewis and Clark, ever hear of them? Lewis and Clark set out with the Corps of Discovery, about 30-some guys. They left St. Louis, which was just a little backwoods town on the Mississippi River, and they headed west because (laughs) the president said there's a thing called a Northwest Passage. Right? There's a way to get from the Pacific, from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean. There's got to be a waterway. We can cut across this continent. The French had been in this area. The Spanish had their territory. They fought over the Oregon Territory. Even the Russians are starting to come down. The British to the north. And the the French were just, just trappers running around. Almost no white man had even seen the Rocky Mountains, but they set out from St. Louis. You need to understand then that two out of three Americans lived within 50 miles of the coast. Two out of three lived 50 miles from the coast. There were only four roads through the Allegheny Mountains. As they went upstream and they had to go against the current, They traveled, the current was five to six mile current against them. They traveled like 14 miles a day. 14 miles. What's 14? Where's 14 miles? Plymouth? Pretty close. Every day, look how far they had to go. They follow the Missouri River. Up they go, up they go, up they go, up they go, up they go. How did they do it? Number one, they forged a team. They had to be a team. And at first, they weren't a team. How many of Lewis and Clark had to impose some penalties? Lewis and Clark had to, you know, get a few guys in line. But hardships formed them, hardened them into a team. Each one had special skills. One guy knew how to cook. Another one knew how to fix guns. Another one was an excellent expert at hunting. They had another guy who was an expert fisherman. They brought a guy along who he brought a, 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 a forge along to, you know, for iron, iron work. Everybody had a skill. Yeah. 
and a purpose on the team. Does that sound like church? They followed what they knew about the river. They followed the river. They had some maps, so they followed the map of the Missouri River as best they could. How many know we got a map? It's called the Bible. We have to stay in the Scriptures. No matter what changes, the Word of God can never change. We can never compromise the Word of God. We're not going to change the Word. We may change some methods. Number four, they faced hardships along the way. If I had time to talk about, oh, my goodness, all the hardships and and, and the, the, the Indians and the animals, just the mosquitoes were horrible. I mean, you got to get a cloud of mosquitoes on you. Can you imagine? They faced hardships. And number five, no matter what happened, they continued on. Here's a picture of the, of the keel boat that they were on. And look at there. Look at there's oars there. Look at there. Look at there. And this, this little boat went up the Missouri River. They finally found the source of the Missouri How many know it got smaller and smaller and smaller? And they finally got to the source of the Missouri River. I think we even have a picture of it. (laughs) The mighty Missouri is nothing but a puddle. That's just a a well, an artesian well, just fresh, clean water pumping up out of those rocks. That's the source of the Missouri River. You could just step across it. But Lewis and Clark said, ah, we found it. This must be the continental divide. If we'll just go, see, you look up there. He said, if we just climb to the top of that hill and look over, we might even be able to see the Pacific Ocean. They never heard of the Rocky Mountains. When they got up there, this is what they saw. (laughs) What they had ahead of them was 140 miles just of mountains. 140 miles of snow-capped mountains. They didn't even know how far that was. They didn't know it was 140. They just, all they knew was, we got to go. How many know you can't take canoes through the Rocky Mountains? Hello. I mean, you, you could fight upstream, but when there's no stream, <laughs> you kind of have to. So what they were faced with was something they weren't trained for. Nobody on the team was a mountain climber. But all of a sudden, they were faced with this, and they could have easily just said, well, I guess there's no Northwest Passage. Let's just go home and leave it for someone else to figure out. But Lewis said, the mission trumps. Now, their mission was to find the Northwest Passage. But now they realize there isn't a Northwest Passage. But you know what their ultimate mission was? To discover what's Listen, we as the church have come against the Rocky Mountains. This world has changed drastically. Come on, and it's changing even faster. Things that they're talking about and proposing now would have been crazy just a few years ago. 
And what's right is now wrong, and what's wrong is now right. And we Christians that are the salt and light of this, the Christians are holding this society together. We, they say we're the problem. They don't want to just pull prayer out of school. They want to pull us out of school. <laughs> they think we're the problem. We're what's holding it back. The only thing we're holding back is Antichrist. We're holding him back. They get rid of us, oh, they'll have some unity. But church, and I don't have all the answers yet. Can I just be honest? We're praying about it. We're seeking God. Right now, I just need to know if you're on board. I just want to know if you want to go home or you want to cross the Rocky Mountains because I believe it will be worth it. But if we cross the Rocky Mountains, we have to learn some new skills. we got to figure out some new methods. This world can't be reached like we were trained to reach them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? However you've been trained, forget it. It doesn't work anymore. The way we used to reach people doesn't work anymore. We have to come up with something else. So, so our vision, the vision of our mission needs to change. Now, the Great Commission has not changed, but how we get there has just changed. And our church has got to look different and act different and pray different and get a hold of God different. We have to ditch the canoes and find some horses. Come on now. They had to connect with some strangers. All of a sudden, they, you know what? We have to get along with these, this, this Indian tribe here because they haven't been across the mountains, but they kind of know where there's a trail. Then there's that, uh, what's her name? Sacagawea, right? One for this teenage girl, this 16-year-old girl with a baby <laughs> that went along with the trip. They never would have made it. Listen, we don't know who. God's going to send us to get us across the mountains. You'll be surprised who's going to rise up and say, I know how to get across. Amen. I know who to connect with. I know how this is going to get done. Amen. Amen. You may think, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not set for this. I'm not trained. No, none of us are. But God's going to put us together. He might send a little 16-year-old girl. He might send an unwed 16-year-old mama to lead us out of the world. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Pastor, I don't know about that. That's because you have problems. You have your own issues. How many know we're not in the 50s anymore? We're not even in the 90s anymore. Good Lord, that was 20 years ago. You, you know you're getting old when you think in terms of decades. It's not what year was that. It was that what decade was that? Uh, number two, we've been trained to reach a world that is disappearing. The world we've been trained to reach isn't there anymore. They've changed. How about this? The world in front of us is nothing like the world behind us. That's the river. We know how to do that. 
that's the mountains. We don't know how to do that. But God's got to help us. In other words, church, right now we are off the map. <laughs> There's no map for this. Churches are, believe me, are struggling. And, and, well, and churches that aren't struggling are churches that have just given up. He said, we're all just going to grow old together. When we die, last one out, lock up the building. <laughs> Give the keys to some. I don't know, just leave it in the mailbox. Someone will get it. I, I, listen, I don't want our church to just grow old, and we'll just be here for each other. Because Jesus didn't say, be there for each other necessarily. What did he say? What was the commission? Go make disciples. He didn't even say make converts. He said make disciples. That takes more than just winning the lost. We have to disciple the lost. So here's what we have to do. How many are still here? Is this a weird message? Are you okay? Because it's going to get weirder. All right. Number one, we have to stay convicted. We're going to change methods, but our mission stays the same. Come on. We have to be committed to, sorry, to passionate worship, radical hospitality, intentional faith, right? Building, extravagant service, second mile outreach. We got to be committed to our values. We just got to find a different way to do it. But God will help us if we'll stay convicted. I'm convicted by God that we need to make disciples. It's not enough to just sit here and pastor you. We have got to win the lost and disciple them for Jesus Christ. How many know there's room in the boat? Number two, for all of you, don't raise your hand, but some of you have problems with change. I like things orderly. Don't rock the boat. You can't but help rock the boat once in a while. So my second thing, be convicted, second thing is stay calm. Does anyone know what to do if you meet a bear in the woods? Now, the old story, if there's two of you, just make sure you can run faster than the other guy. That's, that's a solution. Just make sure you can outrun him because the bear will catch him and then you can escape. But how many know that's not, that's not the way we want to run a church? <laughs> it's not about survival of the fittest, right? We don't want to leave anybody behind for the bear. So they say if you meet a bear in the woods, you, you need to stay calm. The exact opposite of what you want to do. You want to run, but if you run, the bear will catch you. The bear can climb higher and run faster than you. So they said what you do is stay calm, speak in a loud voice, and raise your hands, make yourself big. And he ain't yogi. Or boo-boo. But as I read that, I thought, that sounds like worship. Shout to the Lord. Raise your hands to God. Woo! If he be lifted up, 
All of us are lifted up. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Let's lift up Jesus. Let's look. Amen. You're a lot bigger than you think you are. When you raise up a praise to God, it'll set the bear to running. It'll set the lion running. Amen. We just got to praise him. Raise up a voice. Let's be passionate about worship. Let's let's have the joy of the Lord is my strength. Give him a praise in the house. Woo! Wow. Wow. Oh, I forgot my scriptures. There are scriptures. Stay convicted. Uh, Philippians 3, 13 through 60. Real quick. Can you go back? Yeah, there it is. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. Uh huh. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So let all who are fully mature, remember we redefine that as the love of God in us, have this same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. Yes, God, reveal it to them because they're not listening to me. And let us all advance together to reach this victory prize following one path with one passion. Stay convicted. Stay calm. Philippians chapter 2, 14 and 50. By the way, you need to go home and read Philippians. Wow, wow. Live a cheerful life without complaining. I know you think that's the 10th fruit of the Spirit. Or division among yourselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Verse 15 says, for then you will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure children of God, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture. Isn't that what I'm talking about? For you will appear among them as shining lights. In the universe. Does it say you shall appear as a judge? No. Shining lights. Can I get an amen? Number three, stay connected. Stay connected. Philippians 2, 1 and 2. Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the anointed one. You are filled to overflowing with His comforting love. You have experienced a deepening fellowship with the Holy Spirit and have felt His tender affection and mercy. Wow. So I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love, walking together with one harmonious purpose, and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. And let me say with Paul, me too. Wow. Stay connected. Stay connected. Stay connected. Pastor, why do we do small groups? So people can be connected. 